Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel. Why everything? Because I'm talking with accomplished people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. My guest today is Kimberly Malloy. She's a marriage and family therapist in Las Vegas. Kimberly received her Master of Counseling in Marriage, Family, and Child Therapy, and she's a licensed therapist by the state of Nevada and is a Daring Way certified facilitator. She can be reached through her website, MalloyTherapy.com. And Kimberly, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Just before we go into some of your pursuits and your passions and your interests, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you decide to become, or why did you decide to become a counselor? Well, at the uh, crash of 2008, and I was doing a training and development for businesses, and of course, the training budget was the first thing to go, so I decided it's a great time to go back to school, so I went back and got my master's, and I literally walked in the door, and I said, hey, this is what I do. What do you think would be a good master's program? And they said marriage and family therapy, and you know what? It, is, it has been the perfect fit for me. So initially, you weren't sure about what you wanted to pursue, but once you were pointed in that direction, you realized that was your passion. Right, because that's what I was doing before, is I was just teaching communication in the corporate world. And now I'm just, now I just went to teaching it in families. Is there a big difference between, and I I say it not facetiously, but almost as a rhetorical question, is there a big difference between communication within the corporate world and communication within families? Not really, because we are all little kids in big people's bodies. (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) My my motto is, you're only young once, but with humor, you can be immature forever. Oh, yes. uh, Yes, I resemble that comment. (laughs) (laughs) So really, it's all the same. And once you recognize that, that, I assume, helps you in dealing with clients who have severe, serious issues but always recognizing that, you know, we're all these kids in these adult bodies and playing in the sandbox and just not seeing things on a mature level. Right, right. And our pain oftentimes goes back to those family of origin issues. Can that pain ever go away or do you just adjust to it or accept it? Or can you actually get rid of it? I I think we can work through it. And then there are times that we are triggered that kind of brings us back. But the more we work through it, the more we deal with it, the more we heal from it, the quicker that we move through those moments. People like to say they're a recovering this and a recovering that. I always wondered about that in the sense you deal with a lot of clients. Are they recovering or do they ever reach a point where they're recovered and they don't really need to heal anymore? Oh, I would say that we are always going to be recovering. It's a journey, and I don't think it ends, and I don't want it to end until the last day I take my last breath. So it really is an acknowledgement that being human is a process of learning and recovering yes. and healing. It's never You're never going to get to a plateau where you're totally satisfied with yourself or right. with others. I, I re- I remember reading uh, a story about, I think his name, and I'm probably going to butcher this, Jokoro Kino. Anyway, the father of jiu-jitsu, and he was telling the people around him, when I die, I want to be buried in a white belt. And they were like uh, completely baffled. Why would you not want to be buried in a black belt? He said, because you are always learning. And I thought that, that just stuck with me probably 20 years ago, and that's kind of, that's what I believe. We are always learning. 
When you meet with clients, do they have that philosophy or do you have to get them to accept the concept that we're all learning and we're all changing and we're all growing and we're all healing and we're all recovering? Or do they come in and they just assume that talking to you over a period of time is going to solve all of their issues? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a journey for everybody depending on what story that they tell themselves. If they believe they have to be perfect, then they feel that in counseling, you know, maybe six sessions, then I'm going to be back to being perfect again. But as we kind of meander through, they realize that this truly is a journey. And when you're working with someone like that, how do you keep yourself from getting, and I use this, it's not a negative, but how do, how do you get, how do you keep yourself from getting sucked into their story emotionally? And because at the end of the day, you've seen five, six, seven, eight clients, you're going to be drained if you follow them down the rabbit hole. Oh, for sure. I remember uh, driving home from work one day and literally I had talked about murder, suicide, genocide, um, assault, um, domestic violence. And I just remember driving home going, it's, I am not the, I am not their savior. I need to just give this up because it's not, it's not for me, not for me to solve. I need to walk through them. That's, that's how I see my role is to walk through them, help them process and let them get to that point of healing. But I can't take it on and, and own it, but I can sit in empathy with them. As professional as you are, you're also human. So there has to be occasionally a situation develop where you walk away at the end of the day and you are emotionally affected. Oh, yes, for sure. For sure. And in those moments, I have to be curious and go, what is it that has me triggered in this deep of a way? And then I have to kind of work through it, maybe even go see my own therapist and so that I can fully be present the next time I meet that client. And also, too, do you bring it home with you? Is, does it have an impact on the rest of the family when you get into that situation? Well, I think when I'm in the best place, no. But when I am hungry, angry, lonely, tired, I'm sure that my husband would tell you that, yes, occasionally I would probably bring that. I try, and my office is about 30 minutes from my house intentionally uh, because that drive home is a very healing and processing time for me. Or de-stressing, as I would call it. Yes, yes. We all kind of, yep. Yeah, we all kind of do that. As we're talking now, we're having a conversation. More of my mm -hmm. questions, your answers, but I really like it as a conversation. Do you find that that's the mode for you when you're meeting with clients, that it's a conversation, or do you just let them talk and tell their story? Well, I think that, you know, we all have a story, and oftentimes people don't, people aren't curious to ask the questions so that somebody can tell their story. So I think my job is to be curious. And, you know, curiosity is my, that's my thing. It's my jam. It's my passion. It's a key word, too, because that means not only, I'm going to make a leap here, but you're not only curious about a particular person you're meeting with, but that extends outward. So I'll venture to say you're curious about everything in life and everything around you. And that right. keeps you going as well. Would that be fair? Oh, absolutely. I think it starts with a curiosity in us and a greater understanding of us and then bringing that curiosity to others 
and then even curiosity in the world. How did you develop that curiosity to begin with? Was it as a child or as an adult? I, I would have to say it would, was as an adult in this process because I didn't, again, go to, um, get to grad school until later in life. And then I really kind of dove into the curiosity. What I, what I realized is that, that we all walk around with a ton of stuff going on inside of us, whether it's um, things going on in our physical body, things going on in our mind or our heart. And sometimes we're aware of those things and sometimes we're not. But when we get curious about, hey, my stomach's hurting, I'm curious, is, am I hungry? Um, is it anxiety? Is, is there a, another medical condition going on? I realized that being curious was helping me get to the place I needed to be. Interesting. It's almost using the Socratic method to yourself or yes. on yourself as well. I'm surprised, too, that a lot of people are not curious. And what I mean by that in a general sense here, obviously, but you meet people and I meet people who are perfectly what appears to be content going about their lives, and they, but they don't have a curiosity either about themselves or about the outer world. And right. does that, are they harmed by that lack of curiosity? In other words, I, it seems they've accepted a role to play for themselves and in society, and that's the way they're going to do it, and perhaps they lead their whole lives that way. I think, to me, they're missing out on a lot of stuff, but on the other hand, they seem to be content by not being curious. Right. So it's, it could be either one of those things. I think these are the, some of the things that, that I think I've discovered through my training, through research, and just being with people and even in my own journey that we are, especially in Western culture, we focus on being triumphant, being celebratory, victorious. We don't like to sit in the valleys. We like the mountaintop experiences. Sitting in the valleys with those, you know, difficult emotions, those difficult experiences, we just tend to we either want to numb it or we want to go to that next, that next high. And so I think being able to be curious and saying, hey, listen, what is this emotion that I am feeling? What is it that I'm struggling with? But instead, it's like, oh, oh, great. You had a good day. Let's go get ice cream. Oh, man, you had a bad day. Let's go get ice cream. We can't sit in the emotion of good. We have to escalate it. And we can't sit in the emotion of difficulty we have to numb it and so i think sometimes people are not aware of all of their emotions they um they're comfortable with the angry sad joy disgust and sadness but there is a range of other emotions and when we get curious and we allow ourselves to sit in that we get a greater understanding and i think and then that that, I think, opens the door to also us being curious about other people. But what happens, Kimberly, when you have someone who is, and I'll use this term because I don't mm -hmm. know what the technical term would be, but you have someone who's shallow. So they have no self-reflection, no self-awareness. They're content with their situation because there's no challenges, there's no pain, or what there doesn't seem to be pain, but probably is. And mm -hmm. they're, they're going about life, as I mentioned earlier. For those kinds of people... Can they even ask that question or in the sense of 
being curious about something going on with them, either physically, mentally, emotionally? Well, I don't, I don't know whether they can. I'm assuming everybody can, but again, it's not my job to tell somebody, hey, you know, I don't care if you're content with how your life is, you need to, you need to go deeper. It's only the people that show up. It's only the people that ask me that reach out because I believe if they're asking, they want to go deeper. They want to have a deeper understanding. But the people who are content, God bless them. Let them let them be content. They're just not curious, but and that's the. They they may not be. They may just not be curious. Yeah. Yep. And as you said, Kimberly Malloy does not do mandatory therapy, so you have to <laughs> be wanting to talk to her about your life, your journey, your problems, right. etc. Do you find that you question yourself every so often? Let's say you had a particularly stressful day. You had four or five clients in a row that just had some major issues to deal with. Do you ever question your decision to go into counseling? Or does the good outweigh the bad in that sense? It's not bad, but does the good outweigh the damage to your own psyche because you're helping all these people to tell their story and and go down their journey? Well, I think that during this time that we are kind of coming out of, whether it's COVID or it's racial tension or it's political climate, it was very difficult. And we are, I say, on the cusp of a mental health crisis. And so the stories are getting deeper and they're getting hard. So I have to for sure make sure that I take care of myself. But when I think of what I get the opportunity to do to walk alongside somebody and promote healing within them. I mean, that's, that makes me want to never say the word retirement. And I kind of look at just this, this climate that we have been in and the dehumanizing people with uh, our language and instead, I'm like, if I can be a spokesperson for curiosity and saying, instead of you saying, what's wrong with that person, be able to say, I wonder what happened in their life that brought them to this place. If I can teach curiosity, either one-on-one in my office or from a stage or a format, then I feel like I am helping the world be kinder and I don't ever want to stop doing that. And I think that might be a good, I don't know if you're going to have the time, but that might be an interesting ongoing podcast for you to do, to talk about curiosity and to talk about mental health and the challenges that we all face in it. Because you could look at people on television and you think they're leading the great life, but in reality, everybody's the same. There's the same human emotions, there's the same challenges, there's the same conflict and all of that. Something I wanted to go back to that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and that is the distraction. And I couldn't help but think during COVID, I know I distracted myself a lot by watching way too much television and YouTube. And I reached a certain point where I realized that and I backed off and I find that, in fact, I'm able to concentrate better by not distracting myself with these external influences and just do what I need to do. Do you find that people talk to you about that? It may not be the case in your own specific life, but do you get that feedback from some of your clients? Well, I think when I had mentioned we're on the edge of a mental health crisis, I'll just give you this example. I feel like our first responders have gone from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis. 
And maybe that's a distraction because they haven't had time to just be alone with their thoughts. I think about the teachers who are going to be off for this summer. They have been going from um, how do I keep my family safe to how do I learn how to teach in a class and online. They're going to be home this summer with the thoughts, with the guilt, with the shame of how they wish they would have done better or, or how they wish they could have saved a life. They're going to, that's when I think when we're in that place of we're just alone with our thoughts, mindlessly alone, that's when all of this, the hard thoughts, the hard feelings, the hard emotions come out. So that's why I think we're going to start seeing more and more people reaching out for or continue to see more and more people reach out for mental health. If there is a dearth or scarcity of mental health facilities or trained professionals, not just where we're talking in Las Vegas, but throughout the country and around the world, Mm -hmm. are there practical steps that one could do at home to at least take, I don't want to say take the edge off necessarily, but at least start that process of them weaning themselves off of distractions and dealing with what may be depression or dealing with what may be sadness and getting a handle on it? So there's, well, there's, there's many things. There's a couple things that I'll just talk about. One is gratitude is, you know, when you think about gratitude, if you focus on it and you're intentional about it and you look for it, that does help to kind of rewire the brain from going from this uncertainty or this anxiety to, okay, there are things that I have to be grateful for. Um, There are things that I have to be thankful about. Um, The other thing is the curiosity. It's like if we can go into that curiosity mode, that would really help us probably with anger and some of those emotions. If we can, like I said earlier, just be curious about, I wonder what is going on with that person or I wonder what they have experienced instead of going into judgment and we get in these arguments and these debates on social media or wherever, and it just destroys our mental health. So those would be, certainly would be two things. Certainly, I I guess I would add on that is self-compassion, being able to um, give grace to yourself, um, talk to yourself in a kind way, notice when you are um, saying statements of shame and talk back to, to those statements. Be able to say something like, hey, I am never been through a pandemic before, or I'm learning about this, or this is the first time that I've done this, or I'm getting better at that. Talking back, being kind to ourselves. If we're not kind to ourselves, how can we be kind to others? And I heard just ironically, or coincidentally, I heard today another suggestion, which is along the lines of what you mentioned, gratitude, and that is to write down a Write down yes. something you're you're grateful for uh, right. first thing in the morning and maybe even more than one thing. And so you have something to focus on that you didn't have before of a positive nature. As an right. example, if someone is feeling well, well, you're grateful for your health. If you're, everybody else in the family is doing well, that you're grateful for that. You're grateful that you have food in the refrigerator and a roof over your head, et cetera. And I think those little aspects of gratitude do tend to influence not only your mind, but your soul. And 
something you were talking about too, that gratitude and curiosity and self-compassion, these are not necessarily secular terms. I know a lot of therapists are secular in nature. You have a spiritual background. Does that Mm -hmm. influence how you approach your work? Oh, I am sure. I'm sure that it does with that, uh, without a doubt. Well, just because I think we're made of body, mind, and soul, it's not up to me to tell my clients how they do that. Right. But certainly for them to look at that as a body, mind, and soul, what part are you feeding? What part is hungry? I just wanted to kind of say something else about the gratitude that you reminded me of is research says that writing using our hands connects what we know in our head with our heart. So the actual being able to write things down, not type it out in a text, but actually use our hands and write or paint or draw or clay using our hands, those will tie those two things together. Interesting. So that's why you're hearing that writing a, down a gratitude list, that's extremely powerful. I think also to take a little bit of a positive view during this last year is that some people are getting a sense, and you may agree with me or not, but I think some people are getting a sense of what's really important, and they're able to discard the superficial aspects of their life or some of the superficial aspects of their life. What I mean by that is that they are consuming less frivolous stuff. They are buying less frivolous stuff. They are focusing on their family. And yes, it may get intense at home and arguments because everybody was home a lot during that time. But they're getting a sense of what the real, what reality is as opposed to what Mm -hmm. we're taught reality is by 9 million messages coming through media, whether it's mass media or social media. Right. Yes. Yep. And that's, and you're right. For some people, it's been fantastic. And for other people, it's also another reason why mental health practitioners are uh, busy. (laughs) Yes, I would think so. When you take a break, are you able to take a break from all of this? Not necessarily on a daily basis. I'm assuming that 30 minute drive home from the office to the house, you're able to decompress as we talked about. But are you able to take it even further, separate yourself a little bit further, such as on weekends or uh, taking a week off? so that you could recharge yourself? Yes, yes, I am. But I have to tell you, I was laughing with my kids. I said, I'm in my fourth quarter of life. And they get really mad when I say that. And I said, well, it's just a reality. And I feel like there is such a sense of urgency in me that I have never felt in my life, that I want to learn more, grow more, share more, um, so even in my downtime, I am reading and I am learning and I am taking things in. And that that feeds my soul. It's not for everybody. I get that. But that's just the idiosyncrasy with me. And when it's time for you to go, you'll be wearing that white belt. That's, that is correct. That is correct. And did your family accept your change in career and your change in approach to what you wanted to do over the years? Oh, it's so funny. Uh, my husband and I talk about that because when you go into therapy, there is obviously a, a very large emphasis on confidentiality. So it was an adjustment having been married for at that time, uh, when I first got into it, maybe 28 years, that I went from talking about my day to 
no longer talking about my day or seeing somebody out in public and not saying anything or not addressing them. And it really kind of took us a little bit to navigate that so that he understood that I was honoring confidentiality. So I think that was, that's the thing that we always laugh, laugh about. Sure. It wasn't as if you were keeping any secrets from him. You were keeping client secrets from him. Exactly. Yes. Which, and then you have some clients that walk up to you and go, oh my gosh, your wife is my therapist. And so great. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's always a tricky one. <laughs> yes. 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 For sure. Looking ahead. In terms of what you want to do, do you see yourself, because I, I suggested I think you'd be great doing an ongoing podcast, even if it's once a month, about these subjects, but do you see yourself also perhaps writing a book about how you approach therapy? Well, you know, I started the journey once, and it was called Closet of My Mind, and I do feel like I'm kind of being led back to that, to maybe finish that, and, and I would love to have just a tenth of your humor, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best. Maybe I'll maybe I'll co-author it with you. So that sounds you can good. Put <laughs> so you're going you're going back into the closet, is what you say. Yeah. And, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what what was the block in terms of finishing the book? Was it simply you were so busy with clients? Yeah, and I just felt for me, I felt like that there was something, there was other things I needed to learn. Now I look back and I go, there was other things I needed to learn. Yes. And now I feel like I've got some additional um, knowledge, and now I want to kind of go forth. Yeah, so I, think, I, think, I, I think it would be a great idea if you could do it. Well, thank you. Appreciate the encouragement. Absolutely. And then we'll have you back on again to talk about the new book. Awesome. That would be great. Before I let you go, are you, this is going to be a tough one for you, looking mm -hmm. at what's been going on this last year, and as you say, the upcoming or ongoing mental health crisis, probably both in that sense. Are you relatively optimistic or relatively pessimistic about what's going to be happening to the rest of us in the next year or two based on what we've experienced the past year? Well, I have hope, so I'm going to say optimistic. Excellent. And if you write that book, that will help the process along for all these people. Well, thank you. That's another... I'm going to jot that down myself. That's Excellent. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Before I let you go, the last question. Uh -huh. Do you have any sage advice, compact sage advice for someone that's dealing, not necessarily right now with the nagging issues that we all deal with, but a crisis situation? What's the best thing for them to do at this point? Don't stuff it because it's going to come out in your physical health or your relationships. So it is best to see it, acknowledge it, deal with it, and begin to work on healing. And well, it's a process, so yeah, be is. gentle. <laughs> That's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Kimberly Malloy. She's a marriage and family therapist here in Las Vegas. Kimberly received her Master of Counseling in Marriage, Family, and Child Therapy, and she's a licensed therapist by the state of Nevada and is a Daring Way certified facilitator. And she can be reached through her website, Malloy Therapy. That's M-A-L-L-O-Y, Malloy Therapy. Com. Kimberly, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Ira. It was always a pleasure. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.